This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Zippy Duvall, president of the American Farm Bureau Federation. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, the voice of milk. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duvall next. Edge provides dairy farmers in eight Midwestern states with a strong voice, the voice of milk in Congress, with customers, and within their communities. Edge is an energetic, progressive organization that represents all dairy farmers equally, recognizing both their differences and similarities. Now the number four dairy cooperative in the country in terms of amount of milk produced by its members, Edge is amplifying the voice of its farmers. Now more than ever, dairy farmers need to be heard. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Increased production and lost global markets have brought a tremendous dip in commodity prices following an already significant five-year downward curve in farm income. American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duvall says he can see the storm clouds building. I think we're in the evening before the storm. I think we're approaching having a farm crisis right now. As interest rates move, it dumps us into a crisis because the interest rates are the biggest differential between this uh, difficult time we're going through in the 80s because we we experienced some 18% interest during the 80s. And so we've been very fortunate to have gone through this very difficult time with very low interest rates, but those interest rates are now moving. The debt load on our farm is climbing at an unbelievable rate. Our balance sheets on our farms have been deteriorated over the last three years. So we're on the eve of a crisis. The hope is in this administration and the people they've put in place. And if you look at the people that are in place that understand agriculture, uh, with Sonny Perdue and his undersecretaries and uh, his deputy secretary, they are very good agriculturalists. And if you look at back in history, we've never had a dream team like we have. And they're there to guide this administration through this time and make agriculture profitable again. So that's our hope. And and uh, and we've got a president that's willing to listen to us. We've got a president that talks about agriculture uh, more than any president in my lifetime. And then, you know, look what just happened. What's, we're on the verge of maybe having our farm bill uh, before Christmas. Uh, the the four principals, uh, Mr. Roberts, Ms. Stabenow, Mr. Conaway, and Mr. Peterson, uh, they've done a tremendous job in a very difficult situation bringing this together. So we're hoping we're going to be able to be their partner to get this pushed on through and have a farm bill for, for Christmas. Previous farm policy would have been about supply control and acreage control. Now policy is about risk management. But your state has seen it. Other states have seen devastation. Is there, a, is there a need for a rework for the catastrophic event that comes through that can devastate regions that might go beyond what Title I or even beyond what crop insurance offers? Yeah, you know, you, when you have these devastating storms, whether it be a hurricane or, or tornadoes or drought or too much water or fires, uh, there's got to be something else there to help that family get through that a very difficult time that you hope never uh, only happens once in a career, you know. Uh, And so, you know, I I would like to see us have something 
as as a rule of how we're going to deal with this because it's going to happen. For us to go into every year thinking it's not going to happen somewhere is foolish. It's going to happen somewhere in our country, and and we need a we need a way to be able to, uh, to help these people through that uh, because our food security depends on it. Uh, these rural areas and the infrastructure around those commodities are depending on. It. It's not just farmers. It's all their neighbors and people that's working within the industry. Maybe they might might not be driving a tractor or owning the land or planting a seed, but they're taking that harvest crop and putting it to uh, further processing. And all those jobs are created by agriculture. And if we don't have something there to get them through these very difficult storms or times, uh, you know, those communities could be devastated. So I think it's to the interest of all America uh, that we have something set in policy that we're going to deal with these issues when they come up every year. How's Georgia, and how are you in the recovery process? Yeah. So uh, it's been middle October since I've been there, and I was down there right after the storm, and it was devastating. Uh, uh, cotton pecans just took a just tremendous beating, uh, and those guys were looking at the biggest crop they'd ever made in their lives. So and one night you went to bed thinking, oh, this is going to be a great year, and you wake up the next morning, and it's all taken away from you. So then that goes back to the need for a policy for a catastrophe because if you lose a corn crop or a tobacco crop or a cotton crop, that's a single season. But for the citrus growers and for the pecan growers, it's not going to be a yield or a return for several years, assuming they can get back in the business. Yeah, I understand there's not enough seedlings out there to even plant back the pecan trees that, that got taken out in the storm. And it could take three years just to get enough seedlings back to put them in the ground. And you're looking at seven, five to seven years before they're productive and ten years before their maximum production. So you, that's a huge, long-time investment. Uh, same with timber. I mean, uh, millions and millions of dollars worth of timber uh, destroyed, in that, especially in Florida and up through South Georgia. Just tremendous losses there. Uh, you know, last year we dealt with Harvey and Irma, and this year's Michael. And uh, and the storm that came into uh, the Carolinas, it, it's going to happen in our country every year, and we need some way of, of handling that every year. It shouldn't be year by year. Can you evaluate this administration on the regulation and the reducing or the increasing of regulation on agriculture? How have they done? Well, they're getting there. You know, I think we're seeing some progress. Uh, uh, the thing about regulation that I've learned in this position is I thought when the president signed an executive order it was done uh you know that that just doesn't really happen i mean when he signs an executive order it starts a process and that process can take years upon years upon years to do that waters of the u.s is a perfect example of that but with his executive order where he put secretary purdue in charge of finding efficiencies and getting rid of uh, regulations now they're averaging uh, getting rid of 22 to everyone that they create i mean i think that's a tremendous number and I think we're starting to feel some easing of it, but there's a lot more to go. And when you talk about disasters, the regulations around how they manage our national forest and how they manage those areas that's causing all that fuel that's burning up out there. I mean, all that needs to be reviewed because management uh, is what keeps things in a condition that makes it beneficial for everybody and for whoever, whatever group it is, and I don't want to label them, to say that nature ought to be managing it. I disagree with that because God gave us brain. He expects us to use it. It was the American Farm Bureau that stood up first against the waters of the U.S. rule and said, ditch this rule, go away with it. Well, now under your administration and your time, uh, it looks like one's faded away and another coming in. 
What was wrong with that rule? How did it violate, according to some, of common sense? And what do you hope for that's coming from this administration now? Well, it was the largest federal land grab uh, in in our history. Uh, it gave it gave the uh, federal government uh, authority over huge, huge masses of land, acres of land. We did in uh, studies in several states where it took 96 percent of the the land area would be would be under that ruling. So it, it, that's that's one of the big things. The other thing was it, there was no clarity to it. You, you, a farmer couldn't take that rule and ride across his farm and decide, well, this possibly could be waters of the U.S. because basically just about everything on his farm was waters of the U.S. So we think that this new rule is going to be a lot more simplified. We want clean water and clear rules, and we think that this new rule has the possibility of giving us both of those. At the time of our conversation, we're in front of the ultimate meeting between the presidents of the U.S. and China, so I'll set that benchmark. We don't know the outcome of that, but we do know that agriculture is geared to produce and trade is critical. How do you evaluate this past several months as we have seen tariffs and retaliatory tariffs strike at U.S. agriculture? Well, first of all, it it has put a... Uh, a very difficult strain on the ag economy across this country. Our farmers understand uh, why our president is doing what he's doing, so they're being as patient as they can, and I think it varies from farm to farm, depending on what the, the financial situation is on that farm. But if you look at this administration and what they've done and what they've promised, their track record is pretty good. I hear Vice President Pence say promises made, promises kept. Well, in June, when we were sitting talking to the vice president, Mr. Lighthizer, and the president about how hard this was on our farmers and how difficult it was on soybean farmers and pork farmers and everybody involved, uh, they said that they would get uh, the NAFTA renegotiated by the end of the summer. So we got a USMCA in, in August. They delivered. Uh, we also talked to them about going on the offense and trying to create bilaterals with other countries if we're not going to be able to trade with China, let's replace some of those markets, uh, trade with other countries. And, and under our encouragement, a lot of other people encouraged them. They filed uh, a petition or sent a letter to Congress with their intent to negotiate bilaterals with Japan, the European Union, and the U.K. Uh, that's exactly what we asked them to do. They delivered on that. And now the president's going back to the G20 meetings and, and intends on having a conversation with China about trying to find some solutions to our differences in trade with them. And if they can move that needle, they will have delivered on what they promised there. So I think they've delivered some things on time that give our farmers hope and give them, uh, helps them keep their patience with this administration. But I definitely do think that it depends on the individual farm and the financial situation. You know, young men that came in in this business, 2010, 2011, saw the high in 2013. They've never experienced anything like it. Men, the young men and women that went into agriculture. I really feel for them. I lived through the 80s, and a lot of the guys that I know uh, lived through the 80s. So we've been there and done that before. And I don't even think we're as bad as we were in the 80s yet, but we're, we're getting close. Is there a fear that while the pain we're suffering, there may be some long-term implications on the number of uh, young farmers that are able to stay in this business? I think it is, and I think when we do get these uh, trade issues settled out and, and we start seeing some markets move again, we've got to figure out how to make 
agriculture profitable so we can bring young people back. All these things that we're facing today, uh, my biggest fear is changing the face of American agriculture. And what will that face look like uh, on the other side of this very difficult time? We know what happened in the 80s. Uh, and, and so, but what are we going to look like when we come through this difficult time? Uh, we've seen mergers of big chemical companies, seed companies. We've, we're seeing mergers of big farms because the little ones are selling out and big ones are buying them and just milking more or planting more or doing more. Uh, so what does that really look like? And, and does a young farmer come back and is he a farmer, an owner of a land, or is he a farmer working for a bigger, bigger corporation? Uh, I don't think that's what we all want. It, some of that is good, but uh, I think the general public out there want to know that we still have small family farms, and I don't know what the face of a small family farm is going to look like after this. So that's my big concern, and we got to start preparing ourselves to make sure that we help shape the policies and the landscape that, that, that whatever happens is good for rural America and good for farmers. If these trade skirmishes carry into 19 and things are still unsettled, is there a reason to call on Congress and ask for help as the trade assistance package has come from the administration? Do you think there's a real need that could carry into 19 for that? I think there's a possibility there will be a need. Uh, I think our job as farmers is to stay on our representatives saying we need solutions to the trade problems, and if we don't get them, we're going to be out here needing the same help we got this last time. And how many of those, how many of those seasons can we go through? Because this mitigation package is not is not even coming close to to uh, helping our farmers to what they're really losing. Do you feel there's an uphill battle ahead to try to sell the USMCA to Congress? Because trade votes usually don't come easy. It's always hard. It's always hard. But if you look at the history, of, especially from an agriculture point of view, look at the history of what NAFTA did for us. It, it was huge, and it was big, and it was important. Uh, and we think that this new USMCA really actually treats us better than what TPP would have treated us. So uh, it's going to be uphill battle, and we're going to need all our grassroots heavily engaged in, 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 in pushing our, uh, our Congress and the President to, to move forward with this. We're looking forward to regulations coming from the Department of Agriculture with regard to biotech disclosure on labels. It was a, a, a law passed in Vermont that drew attention to the nation that prompted Congress to act. Well, even today we still have states that want to set standards for how their food is produced, but now they're also saying that if you want to sell your food in our state, you're going to have to produce it our way. It's been the case in California. It's being seen in some other states. How does the nation address that? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a difficult challenge for us. Uh, but every time a state does that, that patchwork of laws creates some uh, very difficult uh, times for farmers and ranchers. And it fuels the marketing schemes that some of these food companies are using. So... Uh, it's some way, and, and, and at our convention, we're going to have an industry-level conversation about a lot of topics, and this will probably be one of them. Uh, we've got to come together as an industry, not just production agriculture, but uh, service of agriculture, grocery manufacturers, and we've got to come to some conclusion to try to have some uh, way that we work through these issues because a patchwork of state laws just creates a lot of, lot of problems for everybody. What about the relationship between the farmer and the consumer 
and keeping the lines of communication open. Well, you know, we spend a lot of our time at, um, at American Farm Bureau and our state farm bureaus trying to communicate with our consumers and our neighbors to let them understand what we're doing. And, and if we ever get open mind in front of us, a lot of times we can not totally change their opinion, but give them a different uh, perspective and they, they ease up on some of the criticism they deliver to us. But the further we get away, the further people get away from handling their food or going and purchasing it or talking to someone to grow it, the more difficult it is because everybody's used to it. Now they want it to come to their door and they want it perfect. Well, uh, things don't grow just perfect naturally. They just don't do that because we have a lot of weeds and a lot of pests and all things, things out there that we have to deal with. And it gets more and more difficult every year. Uh, so the so the technologies that are being delivered up to us are important for us to be able to keep that consumer satisfied with the appearance of what their food looks like. Um, so we spend a lot of time trying to talk to them, but we never can do enough. When so many years ago farmers gathered together with an idea for this organization, do you think their mindset and their mission is still being exemplified in the work of the day? Oh, I think so. Not many organizations can, after a hundred years of success, can say we're still relevant to the people that we represent. We are just as relevant today as we were in 1919 when American Farm Bureau was created. Uh, we still respond to the needs of the grassroots because uh, they're the one that's writing our policy. Uh, and it's very interesting, if you look through our history books, one of the three focuses in 1919 was to create tariffs to help our competitiveness on the world market. So that was relevant to them then, and today it's not having tariffs so that we have a fair trading area, and we're pushing for that. So we're relevant to what agriculture needs today. And I think that's a tremendous success story. I'll bring this back full circle. You have a lot of new faces when this Congress comes together in 2019. You have a need to communicate with the consumer and help them understand agriculture, but you also have some new faces that come from areas that don't necessarily understand agriculture, and farmers didn't elect them either. That's exactly the reason why it's important to have a Farm Bureau in every county and every state and have them actively involved in advocating with their uh, elected representative, whether state or national level. You know, it's our job to go to these new uh, congressmen and senators that's coming in, introduce ourselves to them, bring our members to them, let them hear their constituents from the farm and their state, talk about the issues that they're dealing with. That's what Farm Bureau is all about, is creating a vehicle to get the farmer to the right place. We're uh, excited about the next Congress. Our job is to work with the people that the, the people of America that elect, and we're going to show up and we're going to make sure that they're educated on the policies of American farmers. So we've got Christmas, we've got New Year's, and then we've got the Farm Bureau Convention coming in New Orleans. What kind of time will you have there, and what issues do you think are going to be in front of the delegates? Well, I think that uh, uh, we'll probably uh, hear them talk a lot about disaster because there was so much of it across our country. We're going to hear them talk about a lot about marketing. We're going to hear them talk a lot about trade and tariffs. And I think we're going to hear another discussion about labor because labor continues to be the biggest problem we face on our farms each and every day across America. So I think those are going to be the big subjects that we talk about. Uh, we're planning on having a big time to celebrate uh, uh, our 100th anniversary, kicking it off for the year of 2019. And, you know, I'm just proud to be where I'm at today and be able to represent some of the best people in the world and us celebrate the success of a great organization for 100 years. So Farm Bureau is about agriculture, but it's also about rural America. 
and rural America has needs, and I would expect that will be also on stage uh, at uh, the Farm Bureau Convention about how the standards for rural America need to come up. That's exactly right. As I have traveled across this country and seen some of our rural communities that have deteriorated, it, it'll tear your heart out. So, yeah, I think uh, I think there'll be a lot of discussion about rural development and what do we do, uh, you know, broadband. You know, we want to talk about bringing young people back to the farm. Young people aren't going to go back to where there's no broadband. And how do we use our technologies that are coming down the pipe with precision for agriculture without broadband? I mean, it's not a, a broadband is not a luxury anymore. It's a, it's, it's a necessity. You know, and then, too, it's not fun to talk about. But we have to talk about the mental health of our farmers. I remember the mental health crisis that we had in the 80s farm crisis. And I remember going in after I milked and worked all day and listening to the evening news and this farmer committed suicide or this happened or the farm was selling out. And we're beginning to hear some of those stories today. Uh, so we got to talk about the mental health and the opportunities to help our farmers get through this difficult time, whether it be opioids or whether it just be uh, mental strain on them because of the financial situation a lot of us in. And we gotta fit, we got to make sure that we're there for them and to help them in whatever way we can. President Duvall, we want to thank you very much for taking time out of your busy travel schedule and your family schedule and looking forward to convention to, to visit with us here on Open Mic. It's Open Mic. You've been here before. You get the last word. I want to tell our farmers and ranchers out there, you know, uh, we so much appreciate what they do each and every day. I'm a farmer. I know what they're going through, and I know it's a difficult time. But our success uh, in the future is going to depend on their engagement. And I encourage each one of them to be engaged, whether it be individually through their commodity association and through their farm bureau. Let's make sure that their voice it continues to get heard because they're the one that actually seals the deal. We may, we may pave the road to it with their policy book on the hill, but when they make that connection, uh, when they contact their congressman and senator, whether it be in a visit, which is great, an uh, email or a phone call, they're the one that sealed the deal for us. And if they're just sitting on the tractor and they're not making those efforts, then we very well could miss the greatest opportunity of our life to shape agriculture in the future and make it uh, viable and sustainable for our children and grandchildren and new people that want to come to our industry in the future. So engagement is a secret. And Farm Bureau is there to help them in any way that we can do that. Our thanks to American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duvall, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, the voice of milk. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.